you are a citizen scientist. You're a citizen and a scientist. Now, do you want to take charge of your own learning and understanding of the world around you? Then it's time to become a citizen scientist. In 2023, science is off limits to no one. And we're on a mission to empower you with the knowledge and tools to become your own expert. With nearly 200,000 community members on TikTok and YouTube, Dylan Brooks is taking the citizen scientist movement to a whole new level. Join us on this incredible journey of discovery and self-education, where we explore everything from the latest research to cutting-edge innovations. Together we learn, we experiment, we challenge established notions of what it means to be a scientist. So what are you waiting for? Empower yourself and become a part of the citizen scientist community today. Follow us on TikTok and YouTube and let's change the world one discovery at a time. Don't forget to like, comment, and share with your friends and family. Let's spread the word and inspire others to become a citizen scientist. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. You're about to go on a wellness driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Let me introduce our second time guest, and for good reason. Dylan Brooks is a self-described citizen scientist based in Colorado, a successful realtor, marketing specialist, and online coach. Dylan has created a sizable TikTok community with nearly 200,000 like-minded young people looking to empower their lives by becoming their own citizen scientist. Dylan is passionate about helping to shape a new world built on love, empathy, and community. A world where people focus less on material possessions and more on the invisible rainbow of heart energy, frequency, and vibration. 
Dylan's primary goal is to help inspire and empower people to wake up and be happy. Dylan and his dad are patented inventors who created the Delta Table to help people closer at in-person events. I'm so thrilled to have Dylan Brooks again as our guest. Please help me welcome him. Hello, how's it going, April? You know what? I think the next time I present anywhere, I'm buying you a, an airplane ticket in a hotel because uh, your introductions are incredible. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, I mean, lots of practice um, introducing incredible people and top speakers and just innovative people that are doing great things such as yourself. Yeah, it shows. You're getting really good. I'm excited for where your show's going. So thanks for letting me be on here for a second time. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, there may be more. You never know. I know you You really like this modern day uh, dictionary. I, I don't know. You have so much information. You're well-read, well-versed, obviously. You know, you have the wall of books in your background because you actually read. And <laughs> I think nowadays that's kind of a rare trait, but you yourself, you say, you know, to so many people, there's ignorance is an excuse, you know, right now with the technology we have with the internet and there's so much that's available to us. And you really highlight that. And, uh, you know, you give access to and hit an audience with nowadays with the TikTok and the YouTube videos, because it's appeasing that, you know, community with a different kind of language that people understand. Yeah. And that's kind of the message that uh, I just gave at the Heartmouth Institute talk I had here at the Global Coherence event not too long ago was science is now no longer off limits to anyone. Right. In 2023, ignorance is a choice. And it's not saying that to be attacking. It's saying that to really empower you that anything that you have a question about with your creativity and setting aside your personal time, you can search and learn anything. You can get it in peer-reviewed studies for free. You can get it in video content on YouTube and other applications for free. The world is your oyster. And it's just, you got to put the time and the creativity into it and you can learn anything and don't even get me started on books uh, that you can <laughs> on for less than $25. The most expensive book on this wall is like $22. So uh, yeah. it's up to you. And, and I think we live in a time where we can really start empowering one another um, through the knowledge that these incredible people have given us uh, in the form of books and video. Yeah, absolutely. And man, I wish I was at that event that you just went to the Heart Math Institute. And that is how I originally found out about you. I learned about it. I happened to be receiving their emails and you were on one of the podcasts that they do. And so I tuned in and I was like, wow, this guy's brilliant. I had, I want to get to know him. And so that's really how we came into contact. And I think, you know, people should know about what the HeartMath Institute is doing. Um, there's so much research, so much science behind that, which is really exciting. And so let's go back into this a little bit. Let's start and bring our audience back. If they haven't watched your first, you know, show, which audience, you need to go back and watch the first one because that's a whole set of, of explanations and new beginnings and science. So, but let's go back a little bit and bring our audience to like the invisible rainbow. Let's start there. What is it with this frequency? 
Yeah. So last time we talked about, you know, the power of thought, the biology of belief, which is a book up here, uh, actually right behind my head by Bruce Lipton, um, who experimented with stem cells in 1967 before we even knew what a stem cell was. Um, and then the invisible rainbow is really how we're communicating right now. And it's drawing the awareness to everybody that our life is not material in the sense that it's the primary focus. We've been conditioned to be materialists. We focus on objects and things that we can touch and feel and see. But really, if you think about it, our entire life is operated based on invisible waves of frequency, just mm-hmm. like we're communicating right now through this online communication that's using radio waves transmitted through cell phone towers, satellites, um, you know, how you use your phone, whether you're using it for your email to watch a YouTube video, send a text or a call that's using invisible waves of radio communication. If you heat up your food in the microwave, you're using microwaves. If you use a remote control on your TV or an Xbox controller, that's wireless. These are all things that are invisible that Mm. are operating your entire life. Um, And it's no different what's going on inside your body. All your cells are actually primarily invisible space of electron potential, which is a charge, positive, negative. And so really fundamentally, and what we talked about last show is everything is electrical. Everything is invisible. And that is how your body literally communicates from your brain to your heart. And that's what the Heart Math Institute is showing is that your heart radiates, um, you know, up to three feet outside your body, which is what in our society, we have created the diction of good vibes and bad vibes, right? We walk into a room or we meet someone and we go, I got really good vibes or I got really bad vibes. This is something that now the technology we have is being able to prove that measure it yeah the invisible rainbow is controlling our life and i really want to draw awareness to it because it changes Mm -hmm. the entire way that we fundamentally think and when you truly understand what's going on it empowers you everything you need in life is right here within your body and i think that's such a powerful message and and it's really with the 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 potential of your thoughts um, and the images in your head and how that plays into your blood chemistry uh, throughout all the cells. And, and I'm not going to go into detail here. I'm, I'm going to have to make you watch that last interview um, to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody needs to watch the first video now. Um, I want to go, and that is in the description as well, the link to the previous and first interview. Now, you know, that that's such a great way to describing it. And lots of people describe it in different ways to help us better understand, you know, like think of ourselves as like a ba- uh, battery, like you got the positive and negative charge and, <laughs> you know, the frequency aspect. I just watched a little segment with Bruce Lipton recently, and he talked about, you know, when he saw a TV and, and then the TV broke, right? Well, the, the, the frequency or, or the broadcast didn't disappear. So when your TV breaks, you just replace it. But, and because the broadcast didn't disappear, you just turn it back on and, and there it is again. And he said, at that moment, I realized we don't die. You know, I realized that, you know, we just, the energy just goes somewhere else because, you know, it's still always there. So we just come into the life with, something else and maybe reincarnation right and that kind of leads into some of the topics that we're going into today about near-death experiences and reincarnation and so before we head there 
Let me ask you this, Dylan. Have you ever experienced, I mean, have, have, did you grow up a, a religious person? How did you really start coming in to this idea of, you know, wanting to research and look into frequencies, et cetera? Yeah. So great question. And uh, what you were saying about Bruce Lipton is another great concept that he talks about in the sense that, you know, this is the Dylan Brooks show. You're the April show. Um, when you die, you know, it, your frequency doesn't disappear. You're just uh, tuned into the frequency of that broadcast. Just like when you change the channel, when you go from channel two to channel four, channel two didn't disappear. You're just tuned into a different thing. And so that's what frequency is teaching us. It's about tuning and resonating. Um, and the body is, every atom is vibrating. So that's kind of where the frequency comes into and what heart math is talking about. But so we're going to talk about near-death experiences and child reincarnations and why I think it's the most um, important thing going on on the planet right now. And before you tune away, oh my gosh, this guy's a woo-woo, crazy person who's talking about, you know, pseudoscience. I want to hopefully tell you a story of how I came to this, share the research and the information so that it resonates with you. And I think a lot of people will really resonate with my story because I think it's going to be pretty common to a lot of other people's stories. So to answer your question, I was not religious. I grew up with zero religion. In fact, I was an atheist for the first 25 years of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I'm almost 30 right now. If you had interviewed me uh, five years ago, I would have called anybody who believed in religion. Um, you know, someone that probably hasn't read any nonfiction books, I would have said, um, you know, that there is no God. Um, and for a few different reasons that I think will probably resonate with a few people, especially if you do define yourself as an atheist. Um, and how I came to that belief as an atheist, and I think a lot of people are in that boat, is we are constantly, you know, broadcasted so much negativity. Uh, we see war, we see violence, we see death, we see disease, famine. And for someone like me who's very logical thinking, very scientifically minded, I could never understand why if there's a God and they made a world and this is all, you know, for, for the, for the, whatever God that you believe in, why would he incorporate things like AIDS and hurricanes and earthquakes and murder and violence? Um, what, what purpose does that serve to me? It just didn't make sense. Um, and so that's why I just completely threw away anything that had to do with spiritualism and religion, because that was my base. If, there's negative stuff in the world. No benevolent God would ever do that, i.e. that means that there's no God. Um, and then things really started to change for me um, when I started doing some research and fell into, you know, the, oh, excuse me, these books over here, Dr. Joe Dispenza um, and Biology Belief. Um, these are accounts uh, of a doctor um, who is traveling around the world and creating spontaneous remissions in people. So these are people who have stage four cancer, who mm -hmm. the establishment of the medical society said, there's nothing we can do for you, you know, get your tidings in order uh, because it's not looking good. Uh, these are people that have uh, multiple sclerosis. These are people that are in some instances paralyzed, blind, things that in our vernacular we believe is incurable. Mm -hmm. And yet these people are being cured. And instead of the doctors in the establishment that they go to, being mind blown and strapping them down and trying to study what just happened. They go, Hey, well, you know, whatever you were doing, keep doing that. And uh, I'm glad you're healthy. And so I kept right. hearing stories of this and going, why is this not being studied? Why is every time there's a spontaneous remission, 
of stage four cancer or, or another disease that we just chalk it up to coincidence or we chalk it up to just some random event that's just, oh, you just should just be lucky it happened to you and don't ask questions. Well, if you know anything about me, I'm asking questions because I don't have a dog in the fight. I just want to know the truth. And so yeah. I'm very open-minded. My beliefs can shift if you give me new information. And so that's really where I started going, wait a minute, there might be something else going on here. There might be a power. There might be something else happening that we just can't understand. Um, and humans, we have to put labels on things. If we don't understand it, then we just kind of throw it away and don't really want to deal with it because it's, it's <laughs> lack of a better term, it's mind blowing. It literally blows the mind to the point where I can't label it. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to study. I'm just going to say that's coincidence and, and, and chuck it to the side. So our lives were never the same after we learned our 21 year old daughter, Kristen was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Looking at these, you know, these spontaneous remissions, a pattern started to arise. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really kind of, you know, go, well, every time something happens where a person goes through this spontaneous remission, the medical establishment kind of brushes it away. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, otherwise I'm a gullible fool. And these doctors who are creating these spontaneous remissions are tricking me and I've gotten got, and I bought their books and I've listened to their interviews and I've gone to their events and I'm just a gullible fool, or maybe there's something going on. Right. And, and Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, uh, Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton, they have teams of scientists now, uh, from the university of Virginia that follow them around and are doing brain scans before and after they're doing heart rate variability monitors before and after they're Mm -hmm. using squid monitors and random number, uh, random number generators in the room before and after these events and are showing real energetic changes, which is what I was talking about with that invisible rainbow. We now have the technology to test the invisible. So now you can't just chuck it away. You have to actually look at the data. And the truth is there's so much data. I can't even consume it all. There's so much new data coming out in 2023. I can't even go back. There is. It's, it's a rapid pace. I agree with you, Dylan. I can't keep up either. And so my hope is that I can be an aggregator of this information and help give it to young people and old people Um, so that they can understand that there's something going on um, that we need to all be privy to. And that's where the near-death experience and child reincarnation comes into. But to follow the story, 
when I saw that the establishment wasn't paying attention to these near-death experiences, excuse me, these spontaneous remissions, I started looking at other areas of medical. I was like, okay, well, is this a one-off or is there something going on in the medical system? So I'm going to stop you really quick because, so this is kind of how you, you came into it. You were just so curious. Was there anything else going on that, that piqued your curiosity even more that you wanted to go down this rabbit hole? Well, you know, unfortunately, I've had uh, friends pass away at an early age. I've had family members, including my stepdad, that just passed of cancer. So I've seen people go through the medical establishment. I myself have an autoimmune disease that's incurable, psoriasis. Mm -hmm. um, and I kept seeing a pattern where they didn't really seem to care about the underlying cause of whatever the symptom was. They just wanted to put a bandaid on the symptom so that you could continue going on about your day with no pain. Yeah. No, um, really. Why, why is that? I, you know, I, I question it too. I don't understand. And I, myself, literally my whole life have gone through the same thing where I've dealt with doctors with my own autoimmune disease that I've had and finally diagnosed at age 15, had symptoms since birth, but you know, the same thing. And they just, it, you know, any of the times that I went years and years in remission and, you know, I, I saw the pattern that it had to do with my emotions. So anytime I had these great emotional upheavals in life, you know, divorce, moving, career change, all of the things, that's when I got sick, like six months later or sometimes right away. But, you know, they don't ever question. And it is that is a great question. Why aren't you questioning? Why aren't you tying into the emotional, the spiritual, like asking people what is happening in your life and how do we start getting, you know, a handle on that? What is the root cause? So I don't know if it's just something that is so ingrained during, you know, their, their time being educated, because I could say that for, you know, my own experience with law enforcement, like there's so much that's ingrained in you to where you show up consistently, you know, the same way you start thinking a different way. And that's just how you respond. You, you nailed it on the head. And yeah, and it, I could go through many books on here. Okay. That talk specifically about medical education. In fact, the funny thing is, is it's doctors that write these books that have spent 30 years in the field. And then in the first 20 pages, they basically, <laughs> uh, what's the best way to put it? They talk a lot of trash about their alma mater and their education of 11 years. They figured it they, out. Yeah. They, they basically they share. whistleblow that the information that they learned yeah. had nothing to do with health. It was just, a kind of a feeder system for money on how to continue to make people just yeah. sick enough to where they can live their life, but sick enough where they need to come back, you know, monthly, yearly to get treatment so they can continue to give them pills and surgeries so that they make money. And, you know, that again, if you haven't done the research and you know, oh, this guy's a conspiracy theorist, look at this. He's talking about a giant conspiracy between hundreds of thousands of doctors and institutions that are working in cahoots to make sure that we're all sick and not giving us the right information. And it's not that these people are doing it consciously. It's that the system of education where they come from, they're focused to look at symptoms, label them and prescribe a treatment of a pill or surgery. They're not taught uh, preventative measures of nutrition and lifestyle and stress management mm -hmm. and routine and water and vitamin, minerals and nutrients. They're not taught how to prevent disease because in a profit model, 
if yeah. you teach people how to regulate themselves and how to prevent illness from even coming on, that's going to lead to less doctor visits, less drug prescriptions and less surgeries. Mm -hmm. So there is a disconnect, but I think what we're seeing now, um, you know, with things like Gaia and doctors kind of coming out and with COVID really kind of stimulated a lot of this changes, people are starting to wake up to this idea of like, okay, there might be something else that we can do that's, you know, not going and sitting in a waiting room for 20 minutes and trying to tell this doctor everything I'm doing, what I eat, how I sleep, what I drink. No one knows your body, your habits, what you eat more than you. So it's about empowering you to take control of your life, your health, and the reality that you want to create. And that's what these books showed. I can give you endless examples. One of my favorite examples that really hits the nail on the head is this book here, The China Study. Oh, um, I'm going to read this, this excerpt because it just is so profound into yeah. understanding this idea. And um, there's a doctor named Dr. Uh, Caldwell Esselstyn. And he is he was the best heart surgeon in basically the world for America. OK, so the Cleveland Clinic um, is the number one heart surgery hospital on the planet. OK, yeah. billionaires will go there if they need heart problems. He was the number one doctor at this facility. So just to give you a quick synopsis of this guy, he was an Olympic gold medalist, bronze medal in military service in Vietnam, president of staff and member of board of governors, chairman of breast cancer task force, head of section of thyroid and parasyroid uh, surgery at the Cleveland Clinic, the top ranked medical institution in the world, president of the American Association of Endocrine Surgeons, over 100 professional scientific articles published. Um, he was the 1995 best doctor in America nominee and won it. And for a 10 to 15 year period, he was the number one earner at the Cleveland clinic. Okay. So this is not some scrub. Okay? So you're saying we need to have this gentleman on the wellness driven life show. Yes, you do. Okay. So this is not some just whatever doctor, this is the best doctor at the best medical institution in yeah. America. And his, what he came to understand is he was doing thousands of heart surgeries and realizing that he wasn't helping his patients. He was dismembering their heart. They would live for one to three years and they would still die. He wasn't fixing the issue. Mm -hmm. So he mm -hmm. had a hypothesis and he created his own study without anybody else because he knew the dogma that was going on. He funded it himself for five years and he put 18 of his own patients on a diet and nutrition plan. And he followed up with them every single week to make sure that they were staying on it. And after five years of this nutrition plan, they lost all cardiac health issues. Okay. All 18. They never, okay. they didn't need surgery. They didn't have cardiac issues at all. So he took this study that he self-funded and took it to the Cleveland clinic. And long story short, they told him to get lost. They told him, we don't want to hear about this because we make money from wow. surgeries. We do not make money by empowering people to change their nutrition. Yeah. Now, because he wrote this book and he's been such a huge whistleblower with the background that he has, the Cleveland Clinic has now just recently implemented his nutrition program at their hospital where he is in charge of it, but it's still super taboo. And so this is just an example that I can give you of someone trying to empower their, their patients through nutrition and just their lifestyle through stress management and all these things, wow. exercise, and them saying, well, we're basically going to kick you out, even though you're our best doctor, because you're trying to hurt our establishment of how our power dynamic and money is. And there's a really great Netflix show and I recommend Netflix documentaries and everyone's like, Dylan, whoa, whoa man, you're recommending a Netflix documentary. That's your source, dude. 
Yes, because I try to recommend these books. I buy them for family members. I ship them to family members. I pay for them. And then I'll come six months later and it's collecting dust. So I've tried the approach of making people try to buy these books. For some reason, people don't like reading. I get that. That's okay. So I try Mm -hmm. to come down to your level. That's why I make TikToks and videos. And that's why if I've come across a really good documentary on Netflix, which all of you have, (laughs) I recommend it. Not as the primary source because they do a really good job of putting these books into a visual theatrical production. One of those is called What the Health. And basically in this show at the 45 minute mark, you'll see him interviewing um, the Diabetes Association when he brings up meta-analysis study. The president goes, I'm not talking anymore. Um, And at the 51 minute mark, um, he literally has a conversation with the a medical staff member outside the hospital where they say exactly what I just told you, where we're not going to have this interview because the hospital makes money from surgery. So we're not going to talk about ways to improve health through diet, nutrition and lifestyle. So that's just an easy way to get an, an, an introduction to kind of the pattern from different doctors in different locations at different ages, at different times, with different specialties, all kind of coalescing to the same thing. And that's kind of where my atheism kind of shifted because now I'm like, okay, there's spontaneous remissions. No one's looking at it. The establishment doesn't want to hear about it. So, you know, what's Mm -hmm. going on? Um, Well, it makes me think of, we had a little bit of a discussion before we entered live on the show about how it is a slow movement, but it's moving. So The movie Avatar, for instance, it highlights so many aspects. I mean, it really goes into full detail about what energy is and, you know, and the heart and and brain and all of those things. And people love it. Right. And then you have a conversation with them face to face and you talk energy to them and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. So there is that. And at the same time, it there is this slow rising of awareness that's coming out and people such as yourself and such as me for having the show is really helping push that out and try to explain it in the best ways that we can, the best ways that we continue to learn and understand it. We can share that with others. And I wanted to go back a little bit because it really touched me when you spoke about this doctor and we really do need to try and get him on the show. So he he was performing all of these heart surgeries and it touched me dylan because my body i always considered my disease my superpower because all the things showed up so quickly you know that like if i ate something that didn't agree with me it showed up if i did something my emotions that was the biggest thing so whenever i experienced this emotional turmoil that's when i became the most ill So a recent experience that really involved my heart center uh, was my children. It was an experience of this, this total life change that happened around my babies. And I was experiencing such heart pain. Dylan, I thought I was having a heart attack all day, all night for three months straight. I went to doctor after doctor, my specialist. I went to the ER numerous times. They couldn't find anything. Dylan, they were like, we don't know what's wrong with you. You're crazy. And I'm like, look, do the blood work. My blood work was even turning out fine. It was the strangest thing that has ever happened. But my point in that is that this surgeon realized 
he's performing all these heart surgeries. And so I'm relating with that because my heart was affected, but it had nothing to do with that. You know, like it, it had to do with my thoughts and my beliefs and my emotions. And, you know, all of those things were so tied into it, but we don't address. Exactly. And I think it's not a conversation of which one's better, Western versus Eastern, right? It's not an idea of homeopathy and uh, physical Western medicine. It's a, it's, a com- it's a conversation of they work together and there's yeah. time and places for them both. But what we need to realize is that matter is not primary. Energy, frequency, and vibration is primary. And that's what matter is made out of. And we have it reversed. And so we always try to fight matter with matter. We try to do surgeries. We try to do drugs. We try to fight matter with matter. And, re- and really, it's a paradox. We need to yeah. focus on the energy, frequency, and vibration first. And that expresses itself through matter. And that's right. what quantum physicists are talking about. And that's what, you know, spooky distance at an action. And that's what quantum entanglement is showing us in the CERN centers. We don't understand it. And human beings, we freak out because we can't label it. And that's empowering because it, it kind of gives you the ability to create your own definitions and your own control of your own energy, frequency, and vibration. Mm. And that's the thoughts that you're feeling in the images in your yeah. head. Just like we spoke on our last conversation is if you have a thought of happiness and joy, your brain will secrete a chemical of dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin that goes into your blood that cycles three times every minute to the trillions of cells in your organs in your body. The same way, if you have thoughts of fear and stress and and frustration, it's going to release stress hormones into your blood. Cortisol, which shuts off your immune system, um, Mm. cytokines and all these different things that then turn off health. They turn off growth. They turn off repair. And so quite literally, the emotions and thoughts and feelings you have in your head and your heart is what is creating the symptoms, the matter, the physical that we then go to the doctor and they go, every I don't know what's going on. It's because they're not in your head. They're mm-hmm. not experiencing your thoughts. They're not in the financial system or the emotional um, disturbance that you're you're having. And so that's what all these books and all these people are kind of, you know, whistleblowing. About. It's, it's, yeah. it's invisible and it's so hard for people to grasp that. And that's why I think it's so important to relate how our modern day is working. We are communicating with the visible radio waves right now. So why is it hard to believe that your body is operating on invisible, you know, frequency, energy, and vibration? That's what I'm trying to connect people to. And I think it's starting to kind of resonate as we spend more and more time on our phones. Yeah. Yeah. People have more of an understanding in a, in a, in a way of what invisible waves are. When we start talking about telecommunications, I mean, then they're like, oh yeah, well, the signal has to come from somewhere. And it has to go somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, if we start thinking of it that way, it starts to make sense. Now, um, I'm curious how you went from you know the spontaneous I- into the the child reincarnations. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about that. What so, drew you to that? So as I started learning about the spontaneous remissions, I started going through different books and different ideas. So here's a book, super normal. Um, and these are, you know, the, the science yoga and the evidence for the extraordinary psychic abilities, um, books about, you know, monks, uh, in Tibet, um, and how they're able to completely do thing, take control of autonomic nervous systems. Why it's called autonomic means you have no control yet. They can control it. 
So all of a sudden I started realizing, you know, there's so much data and evidence of people doing spontaneous things. We've all heard of the mom who can lift a car off of her child because it's, you know, there in those moments you can literally lift a car off of a, a child or a family member or something because of the adrenaline. Um, so there's things that are happening that we can't really label um, and give credence to, but it's happening and it's, it's like you're an X-Men, you're like a, a Power Ranger, you're, um, you're in a Marvel movie and yet people just kind of want to brush it away. And so again, I came across Jim Tucker, um, who is a child reincarnation specialist at the University of Virginia, which is the same school that Bruce Lipton did his stem cell research, which proved uh, epigenetics, which were now um, is now mainstream. Um, and again, it's going to sound crazy. There's another Netflix documentary. I know I keep <laughs> talking about Netflix documentary. I must be a pseudoscientist. It's crazy. But in a, in a Netflix documentary called um, uh, Life After Death, Episode 6, they do an mm. incredible documentary of Jim Tucker, who spent 30 years doing this. And he goes to three children um, across the uh, country who claim to have had a previous life. Now, why is this so thought provoking and why should we pay attention? Because these are children. These are children that are four, five and six years old. They don't have dogma. They don't have the power dynamic that they're trying to maintain. They don't mm. they don't have a dog in the fight. They're they're pure. They're just sharing what is true to them. Um, and when these kids talk about a previous life, they know the names, they know the, the, the family dog, they know the address of the home. And then we're able to verify these things. So he goes to these kids, he brings them a photo of five houses, five family dogs, five, you know, businesses. One is the correct and there's four dummy ones. And this five-year-old child picks out the right family dog, picks out the family house, picks out the business, picks out the wife. There's no way a five-year-old could know these things. You have have five-year-olds that are World War II veterans that can name specific engines and airplanes and places that they fought and died over in, in, in uh, you know, the ocean. Uh, they know the names of, of military boats, um, things that you couldn't know. And, and the kicker is the parents are losing their minds because you have a child saying that they had another mommy and you're like, no, I'm your mommy. So you can see the parents visible yeah. expression. They're rattled. They can't let it go. And what's fascinating about child reincarnations is they have the past memory from zero to seven. And then once they hit seven, their brain waves go from theta to beta, which is what we are. And they no longer have memory of it. So you can't ask the child at 10, if they remember, they're like, I'm living my new life. I'm living this new incarnation. I can't bring about anything else. And so this Netflix documentary goes through three kids and it's mind blowing. You can't watch this and go, Hmm, that's just coincidence. Or those kids have a crazy imagination. (laughs) Why do you think that they, are experiencing a past life so strongly it's random the you know it's what's crazy is he started doing this research in india in the east where it's super common it's so common wow uh, reincarnation in the east that when a grandparent dies people will make markings on the inside of their wrists and ankles and post it onto a bulletin and then when a child is born they'll go hey i have a child who has this mark and then people go oh, that was my grandfather that was my grandma. Wow. It's just so common. So it's that fast, like within the same lifetimes even. Yes. It, sometimes it takes decades. Sometimes it takes a few years. It's pretty, pretty random. But so you, so now you're looking at children who are not, they don't have any interests other than 
telling their truth. So now you're looking at spontaneous remissions. You're looking at children that are recounting past lives. We're able to then verify that what they're saying is true. Um, and then that led me to near-death experiences. And this is where it gets really profound because near-death experiences are common. Okay. These yeah. are not rare. In fact, yeah. they're so common in the United States. It's estimated that between 20 and 30 million people have had near-death experiences. Worldwide, it's one out of every 10. So we're talking about almost a billion people alive right now that have had near-death experiences. So this is something that's a common phenomenon. This is not rare. And what happens is when you listen to a lot of these, which you can just listen to on YouTube, you can also read books, but YouTube is a great free source to listen to these, is there's a pattern that emerges. They go through the same experience. And what and I'll just give you the experience. I'll give you the pattern. So those that have not listened to near that experience get an idea. But what happens is they will die. They have an outer body experience where they're able to perceive everything around them. It's very common that this happens during surgeries in operation and the doctors think that they are dead. And yet they're able to tell what they said, who performed what surgeries on them in the order that it happened. Wow. They have this outer body experience. They then get sucked up through the ceiling. They go through what they call a void, which is just a black space. A light approaches them where they've never felt more love, warmth, compassion mm -hmm. in their entire life. Every single person, I've listened to 200, they all say, imagine the, the most incredible love you've ever felt for a child or a dog or a family member and times that by a million. Um, they then have a life review where they watch their life through the lens of the people around them feeling what other people feel from their vantage point, interacting with them. So there's no judgment, wow. there's no heaven, hell. That it's would be them. cool though, right? Yeah, it's, just, it's just them That's experiencing. terrifying to feel what other people feel when you're interacting with them. Exactly. And then they go, oh my gosh, they have a sudden sense of knowing that this is their main home and that this incarnation is like a classroom. It's a video game in a sense. Yeah. And they always go, I don't want to go. And then, the source, which people refer to as God, Jesus, um, love, source, energy, it's different for different people, um, is no, you need to go back and tell your story. And it's kind of what I've deduced is it's kind of a intelligent mechanism that is purposely done because I told you it's common. Millions of people have this experience. I mean, if you want to know how common it is 150,000 people every day die. So today, 150,000 people around the world are going to die. That is a fact. Another 400,000 are going to be born, which are some of the child reincarnations, but 150,000 people die every day. So it's a very common experience. Um, it, what it tells me a little bit, uh, if I could interrupt for just a second, yeah. is that, you know, everybody, it's, it's almost like people coming into this truth, this understanding, this knowing, this awareness in their own ways. Like, I had to do it through my own health journey. A lot of other people do that. I didn't have a near-death experience. Well, I've, I've probably had a few actually, but I didn't really experience the description that you had. But I came to this, this understanding of there's something bigger than, you know, and then going into Joe Dispenza's work and being like, oh my gosh, this is everything I knew, but I didn't know how to explain. Um, so that's brilliant. And that's what I'm gathering from this. It's like, if, if there's so many of these happening, it feels like there's like this influx of people coming to that knowing and that truth um, to be able to spread it faster. 
Exactly. And it's a pattern, right? Yeah. That's what makes it so compelling is it's repeatable. These are people that are different ages, different genders, live in different places that speak different languages, have different religions that are all having the exact same experience. And when they Mm -hmm. talk about it, you can feel their passion. You can feel their love. You can feel that these people are otherwise the greatest actors and liars of all time. And then they should be (laughs) probably going to Hollywood to get a new career, or they're just truly speaking their, their authentic truth. And that's what you learn. And, And what I'll talk to that, because again, a lot of people, my sister, a couple friends, they go, Oh, Dude, that's the hypoxia of the brain. That's a DMT DMT release of the brain. When the body dies, the brain releases these chemicals that creates this hallucination effect that makes- Dylan, what is it it about family and sometimes people that we're really close to that just think we're off our rockers or like they don't want to believe in us? (laughs) Because because it's this revolution of what I call fake skeptics, okay? Because- People like to say they're skeptics, but in order to be a skeptic, okay, very important, you have to actually review the information with an open mind and spend hours researching it, okay? So a skeptic goes, okay, I don't believe in near-death experiences, but I'm going to be a skeptic. So I'm going to go look at data. I'm going to go listen to videos. I'm going to go research peer-reviewed studies. And then after I put in hours researching it, I'll come back and go, hey, on page five of this study, I had an issue with this. On mm. uh, uh, at, at the 20 minute mark of this video, I had an issue with what this was said at, on this book on page 15, the author said this, and that made me question. They can cite issues from the research to then have a dialogue. Most people that claim they're skeptics go, Oh, that's not real. And then they never spend a single second, you know, researching it. That's not a skeptic. That's being a closed minded individual. You're not even willing to read the information or be open-minded about it. That's not a skeptic. You're just a closed mind because what has happened is so many people identify themselves with their beliefs. And so Mm. if their beliefs are challenged then their entire identity is challenged and they don't want that because it is a very difficult process to go through changing your entire beliefs and identity. So that's the issue that happens um, with this, but which I, what I really love, and this is going to tie in great, because a lot of people with the near-death experience and child reincarnation is they have some religious background, they're an atheist or whatever, and it goes against the religion, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. However, we've had so many accounts of near-death experiences. They ask questions. When you have this near-death experience, people can ask all the questions that's on their mind to source, which, again, people refer to as God, Jesus, Buddha, right. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And the common question that people ask is, you know, what religion is best? What is the best religion? What religion should I follow? Oh, interesting. And I thought it was going to be like, why am I here? <laughs> well, yeah, they ask those questions, of course. And that gets into a whole nother thing that I don't think the audience is ready for right now. We'll stick to a little closer. Part three coming yeah. up. <laughs> but, you know, a common question is, well, what religion is best? Well, you know, am I following the right religion? Am I going to go to hell? What is this? And first of all, there's no hell. Okay. Second of all, um, what they, what a lot of people say is, is uh, this anecdote I like to use. Um, and it's this. In the 1700s, people traveled by boat across the ocean for many months and they would get this thing called scurvy. Um, And what it was is a vitamin C deficiency that could lead Mm -hmm. to death. And so everyone just thought it was like, you know, a seasickness or something. Um, And then there was a captain named Captain Cook and he had what he called Captain Cook's brew. And in this brew, he had many different things like, um, like vinegar and malt and sauerkraut and an ingredient called lemon syrup. And when people would drink this, they no longer got scurvy. 
So it became, everyone's like, you got to drink this Captain Cook's brew. You won't get scurvy. And they didn't know why it worked or what was happening. They just knew that if you drink this, you don't get scurvy. What it was is their vitamin C content in the lemon syrup. That's what was giving them the vitamin C so that they didn't die of scurvy. And that's kind of what you hear from people that come back from near-death experiences and what they're told about the best religion is. There is no best religion. The religion that is best is what resonates and works for you because all religions have a similar ingredient, and that is love. Just mm -hmm. like the vitamin C in Captain Cook's brew, the common ingredient in every religion is love. It's yeah. community. It's compassion. It's kindness. So it doesn't matter if you're eating an orange to get the vitamin C, if you're drinking his brew to get the vitamin C, if you're eating something else that's high in vitamin C, as long as you get vitamin C, you're going to be okay. It doesn't matter what religion, or even if you're not religious, if you're spiritual, you're atheist, whatever it is that gets you to unconditional universal love, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All that matters is what resonates with you to give you that ingredient of love. And that's a common, common explanation that a lot of near-death experiencers relate when well, they come back sense, from that experience. Right. Because when, you know, all of the feedback that these people are, are giving is when, when I have gotten closer to source or God or the light, I experience this profound feeling of love, like, like times a trillion, you know, like never before have experienced. And it just is love, right? This feeling of warmth and, and, <laughs> and love, right? So it makes perfect sense that it doesn't matter what we do or, or what we believe in, as long as it is that, you know, essence of love. Exactly. And then you tie this in with child reincarnation, spontaneous remission, psychics, hypnotherapists, channels, mediums, the whole deal. And if you actually give it credence and you're not a fake skeptic and you go into it with an open mind and you read the information and you realize it goes across all genders, all, um, all times, literally hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years ago, all, uh, continents, languages, you have to sit there and you have, you can't ignore it. You have to go, there's something going on here. And to your point about the movie avatar, like our entire species is so obsessed with these movies, these marvels, these comics, superheroes, X-Men, all these things. And then you try and say, yo, that's actually happening in real life. And the dogma is so strong around this materialistic viewpoint of life where it's like, no, I'm just supposed to eat, sleep, work, pay my taxes and die. There's no extraordinary things, especially something that I can harness. I certainly can't harness it and learn to control it and be an empowered individual. And that's where I'm just putting my foot down and I will be that crazy person. I will be that person that says, no, listen. Yeah, we're going to change that. Yeah, we can harness yeah. this this knowledge and information. And I think that's why it's such a common occurrence and why we're seeing a lot more child reincarnations and near-death experiences because it's a message from the other side trying to help us change what we all intuitively feel as a sick environment around us of the things that we are yeah. doing, consuming, putting on a pedestal, everything from politics to finance to environmental crisis, that something's got to change. We yeah. have this materialistic, consumeristic mindset is not working for all of us. In fact, it's killing the planet and, and it's leading to a record level of depression, anxiety. And that's where this love, the spiritualism, this connection is coming in. And people are now resonating with it and understanding it. And I think it's beautiful that I'm able to use the analogy of the invisible rainbow of how we're communicating now and how people are talking on their cell phone. 
the invisible waves, you can kind of see that it's energy, right? Yeah. It's frequency and it's real and it's primary. And that's really yeah. the message that I'm going to be sh sharing for the next 20 years. Yeah. And, and, and again, what's so cool is there's so much more science and like we've been discussing more and more people who are coming to the understanding of. So awesome. Awesome. I, I love it. Is there, is there anything else um, that you want to talk about when it comes to the, all of your research? I mean, you've done extensive research when it comes to reincarnations and, you know, is there any other bits that you would love to share? Yeah, I do. I have a, I have what I refer to as the smoking gun. So I know there's a lot of people that will hear this and go, you know, no, that's not true. Again, it's a, it's a hallucination of the brain. We can explain it through science. It's very easy to understand. These people are crazy. They probably have, you know, certain something wrong with their brain. Well, okay. So one of the most important things that's been done in this uh, research is uh, near-death experience of blind people. Um, here's a book mm. that goes through it extensively. It's called Mindsight, and you can't see it here, but it says 31 blind near-death experience, and it goes through literally systematically as if it would be a, like a peer-reviewed research um, journal. And this is a one of many examples I can give, but one of the best ones is these are people who are born with no sight, okay, they've never seen before. Yet when they die and they have their outer body experience, they can see the doctor's haircut, what they're dressed like, how they look, where they have uh, facial hair, what their shoes are, who came into the room first, second, last. And then when they come back into their body, they tell the doctors this and they go, how could you have known that? You were flatlined. Your brain was shut off. You had no oxygen. You were pronounced dead for 45 minutes. And yet mm -hmm. you're blind and you're telling me the color of my tie and my hair and who came into the room and all this. So- there's no amount of brain release or hallucination or DMT or whatever excuse you want to give that can make a blind person see, especially when they're pronounced dead. Okay. So that's just a great example that I refer to as a smoking gun as you can't ignore this research. And I hear so many people say, well, show me the evidence. Show me. The truth is there's so much data. There's so much research. There's so much evidence. Yeah. It's overwhelming. And so I just want to be an aggregator of this research and present it to people so that they can be a real skeptic. Okay. Yeah. I don't want you just to believe <laughs> me. Okay. I, I say this all the time. You do not have to believe me and you do not have to believe anybody else. What you have to do is believe what makes sense to you in your heart and your mind, what resonates with you. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, that's also great. At least you added another perspective to your Rolodex of perspectives so that you're a better, well-rounded human being. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if you go into this as a skeptic with an open mind, you're going to come back with the same results I did because it's, it's, you can't ignore it. It's just What's the most profound thing that you have learned throughout all of your research. Is there, what was the thing that really was the most mind blowing to you? Okay. So we're going to go out there. Okay. This is a whole nother level. I, I want to go out place. there. Let's do so, it. All of this culminated into me coming to what I believe is the final kind of communication technique with the other side of whatever you want to call it. And that is me uh, mediums, channels, people that um, literally are channeling a higher being through themselves. So you'll see this on, uh, you can YouTube, uh, Bashar is a great channel, people with their eyes closed and they're communicating 
through a channel. They're the medium. They're just like a circuit. I have is seen connected. a little of this, Dylan. Yes. And so the most profound thing I've come from this is that there is a universal code of of kind of how everything works. And it's very simple and it's three sentences. And it is simply this, and it's very beautiful and empowering. And it is this, this is how everyone should live their life. You follow your highest excitement to the best of your ability with no expectations on the end result. That is it. And there are so many channels, Gaia, um, which is a streaming service, has done a lot of um, documentaries and series with these. There's There's dozens of them now. There's so many people that are now channeling these uh these contacts and these mediums and they all are saying the same thing follow your highest excitement to the best of your ability with no expectation of the end result and watch the life that you want to live unfold and the hard thing is that humans we try to make everything so complicated and we can't believe that it's that easy and we can't believe that what so i'm just supposed to not have an expectation of how i'm supposed to feed my family and make money and and do all these things that life tells me to do and the reality is the world is so profound and is so complex that we could never understand you thinking about the expectation of creating a podcast, of starting your dream job, of pursuing um, living in another country, of, of all these things that seem so crazy that your parents would be like, don't do that. That's crazy. You could never conceptualize yeah. the people, the places, the events, and the, the ways of making money and financing it would come in to make it all work. You could never imagine it with your wildest dreams, the events and opportunities that would take place that would allow you to continue to follow your highest excitement. Um, and so that is the most profound thing that I have taken away from all of this research. And again, you find evidence of this in child reincarnations and near-death experiences and phenomena and hypnotherapy, even in people who take drugs like mushrooms and DMT, have the same exact experiences and same exact findings of this unconditional love of your highest excitement. So yeah, people are just doing that to, to try to fast track it. I think it, the experience of it. Exactly. And in science, the whole point of it is to find different modalities of different pieces of research from different things and see if they mm. come together and converge on a single idea. Yeah. And so when you look at people taking hallucinogenics and you look at people that have just died and you look at five-year-olds who are claiming to have another life and you look at people who had stage four cancer that don't have cancer anymore and you can verify that through scans and you look at a mother who pulls a, a burning car off her child, they all are saying the same thing. You cannot ignore this. And I'm tired mm -hmm. of it being ignored and I won't allow it to be ignored anymore because it's so profound and it changes the entire way that we as a civilization can live our life. You can oh, yeah. actually believe it or not wake up and be happy. You can actually wake up and feel love and feel connection and gratitude and wholeness. And that is the world that I want to create. And that is why I'm so passionate about sharing this information. Well, yeah. And can you imagine a world where everybody lived that way, where they lived that, you know, following that excitement and that discovery, you know, being excited about, you know, what's next and then, you know, doing it to the best of their ability. I love that. Um, you know, and, and just going and doing it and that's the action piece, right? And the bravery aspect, like I'm just going to do it. And then, you know, not caring about the end result that is so profoundly 
you know, key. And, and I agree with you, Dylan, I, I would agree. If I look back on all of my research and all of the things, yes, it all does come back to that statement. Yeah. And, and again, it's just, it's just unconditional love. You know, I think yeah. that's really what we love of life. Yeah. And that's what we're missing is we are, there's such an investment in our society. I'm speaking about America because that's where I live. Um, there's such an investment in disempowerment of the global populace from medical to education to everything in between. They're just investing in ways to disempower because we as humans, we're all equal power. Okay. You can't get more powerful than the next person, but what you can do is you can convince other people that they're less powerful, which means that you are now more powerful because you've convinced them by telling them that they can't do something that they they need uh, my help to to heal you. You need my expertise. You need Change my knowledge. I, you need my authoritative. This is good, right or wrong. You need to follow my religion, and you're going to die. You need to listen to my laws, or these bad things are going to happen to you. So we live in an illusion where we think we have less power than those that are in control because they put so much investment in a disempowerment. And what we need to realize, and what we're learning, is that we could actually be empowered. And then now we're back on the same playing field. And I think once we have enough people reach the same playing field, it's just law of large numbers at that point where it's just like, we're, we're going to do our own thing. That's more about like community. That's about, you know, coming together. That's waking up and, and feeling love and joy and gratitude and kindness. Um, and I think that's what all these different modalities that I talked about earlier are exist. I think they exist for that reason to help us, kind of streamline and, and, and make a faster track to that reality of, of a world where we, we have unconditional love. And that's the thing is love is the key word is unconditional. There's no condition, right? right. You don't give me something. And then I love you. I yeah. just love you because I am that I am. You are me, right? Mm -hmm. We're all the same. So that all being said, Dylan, if we come to an agreement that this statement is is very very powerful. Do you have any tips or tricks or things that you are are doing consistently, or you have found that doing consistently really brings us back to reminding us of this? Yeah. So what I my biggest thing that I think everybody should do, and I'm going to try and see if I can find my sensor here. Um, and it's what I it's what HeartMath Institute does. I will shout their work from the rooftops because this is a non-for-profit for the last 30 years who's been trying to say what I've been saying, but just haven't been getting any attention and, and information towards it. And this is this idea. You cannot calm the storm, but you can calm yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the storm is the world, right? Everybody looks at there. I'm just one person. How can I fix the economic crisis? How can I fix the environmental crisis? How can I fix corrupt politicians? How can I fix the education? Like it's so overwhelming that we, everybody, I think intuitively wants to do something that can help, but it's so large that then we just, we get put back in our place and we just do our job that we hate. And we do the same cycle of behaviors over and over again, secretly wishing something else would happen. So instead of trying to calm the storm, calm yourself. And the best way to do that is to create a stress management or meditation routine. Mm -hmm. And that can be anything. Washing the dishes can be a form of meditation. Taking the dog on a walk can be a form of meditation. Sitting yeah. and watching TV that makes you laugh and joyful could be a form of meditation. 
but doing something that lowers your stress level. So like you said, right, you, when you were having emotional reactions in life, you were getting symptoms. It's the same thing for health, but you also your mental health, right? And what happens is if we all calm ourselves and we all go into the parasympathetic nervous system of rest and relax of growth and repair, we give off that frequency. Think of it as you're a walking cell phone tower and how you can drive down the road for 60 miles and you can talk to your mom on the phone and the signal doesn't drop is because cell phone towers are situated in a two mile radius in in a hexagonal pattern so that they overlap. So that's why if you drive from one cell phone tower to the other, you overlap. Mm -hmm. If we think of ourselves as cell phone towers of love and we are all individually doing a stress management routine where we're calming ourselves. And then we go out into public like the grocery store and we all are doing that. We are like a cell phone towers grid where we're creating a grid of love and kindness. Spread the love. Spreading the love. And and what HeartMath has is this great thing. It's this called the inner balance. And you literally hook it up to your ear and it measures your, your heartbeat. And then you connect to their app. And then you can literally see in real time your breath giving your heart rate variability and you can see yourself going into parasympathetic nervous system. I think Mm. that's the biggest thing for people. When you tell them to meditate, they don't know what that means. I knew five years ago, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if I was doing it right. Yeah. This is a biofeedback that can show you if you're doing it right. And you can see in real time, Oh, my heart is actually in coherence with my brain. Oh my gosh. I'm actually in a healthy system. I'm not in stress anymore. I'm not in fight or flight because our whole life, we are going around as if a bear is chasing us, mm-hmm. but it, it's not a bear. It's our finances. It's our job. It's our boss. It's our family. It's our traffic. Thought. It's your thought <laughs> of the past. It's your anxiety yeah. of the future, right? Yeah. And so it's stop trying to calm the storm, focus on calming yourself. And all of a sudden, a selfish activity of calming yourself actually becomes a selfless Mm. activity when we all individually do it because we create a grid, a cell phone tower grid of love and yeah. calm and kindness. Yeah. So that's what I would recommend people to do. I'm I'm getting calmer just talking about it, Dylan. <laughs> now I love it. I, you know, um, testimonially, I have, that's what worked for me. I mean, that's the only thing that worked for me. In fact, you know, when I was starting to come into this and, you know, thinking about how am I going to show up? Should I do coaching? Should I do this? Should I do that? Well, SIP Life Slowly came into focus because, um, you know, just, just what we're talking about is just slowing down that heart rate. Uh, and SIP is spiritual, intellectual, and physical mind, oh. body, soul, just said differently, right? So SIP Life Slowly. I never um, yeah, I so I, I just created it because I was trying to figure out okay the acronyms and when I was creating the wellness driven life show I'm like well wellness is under this huge umbrella and you know there's all of these things and there's uh, finances and you know trying to you know say all of this stuff but then not wanting to it to be too much or too heavy or just like way too much for me to remember <laughs> so um, because. So much of it, there's a lot to it, but yet it's so simple, you know, uh, you know, and just, but being able to 
calm ourselves down. I know we talked about it a little bit before, but in law enforcement, I learned that that was one of the ways that we were able to be able to be in the present moment and focus when there was such a, a high tense, high risk situation. And we have somebody at gunpoint and not freaking out because your motor skills are already, you know, like jumbled if you can't figure out how to calm down. And so, so much of that was taught through breathing exercises, you know, and like, and, and, you know, they'll say that if you want to start learning how to sleep better, if you have sleep issues, you know, it's just controlling the breath and lowering the heart rate. Cause that's essentially what it is. We're lowering that heart rate. And so being able to respond in a better way. <laughs> and so that's, that's great. Thank you so much for those tips and those tricks. Um, I want to thank you again for being on the show and, you know, I'm happy to continue going forward if you want, or we can cap it and, you know, maybe have a part three at some point. I know that you are just a wealth of information. Yeah. I think we've given the audience a lot to think about. Uh, we give them a lot of homework assignments, right? Everybody yeah. search near-death experiences on YouTube. It's a free app. You all have it on your phone. And next time you're in your car or at a workout, just search any of them. It doesn't matter which one. I challenge you to listen to at least 10 and you will come back with, just tell me what you come back with or <laughs> do child reincarnations, either or. Doesn't matter which ones because they all resonate the same. That is your homework assignment. Homework assignment and to please put them in the comments below. We'll get back to them and answer them. So that's a very powerful thing we have now with modern technology. Most of you will be watching the replay of this. So those that comment section is still there. It still works. So leave the comments before. Let us know what you think. What are you coming back with? How are you being a citizen scientist? And Dylan, I wanted to ask you, do you have a link to the HeartMath Institute that you want to share? Or should I just, you know, include one, you know, after this, just based yeah, just on their the HeartMath Institute? The, the, okay, simple. That website's great. Excellent. And you can find Dylan and all of his awesome stuff that he's creating even more than we've gone over today in little increments from his TikTok. He's really got TikTok going very strongly. And so that is going to be at Citizen Scientist. That is C-I-T-I-Z-E-N-S-C-I-E-N-T-I-S-T. So actually that this has been incredible i really appreciate all of your your teaching us and guiding us and your wisdom thanks for doing all the hard work geez nobody needs to go out and do anything anymore dylan because you've got it so Guess thank what? you it's, it's my highest excitement i'm doing it to the best of my ability oh. and i have no expectation of the end result i love that i love it i, I i'm gonna write that down and just sticky note it all over my house. I have it right on my wall. It's brilliant. Well, it, and it just, it excites me about other things that I might not be so excited about. It, it makes me create a more exciting experience for it or think of it in a different way. So very cool thing that you shared with us. So I want to let everybody know, um, you know where to find Dylan. You'll see it in the description below. Thank you for being here on the Wellness Driven Life Show. And uh, until... Tomorrow, we will see you later. Thank you.